Welcome back to episode 99 of Warrior's Den. Today's guest is Ryan Kitchen, a BJJ black belt and co-owner at Adventure Jiu-Jitsu in Steveston in Richmond, British Columbia. Uh, Ryan's actually started at the same gym I started my jiu-jitsu journey. Uh, so it's interesting how things have progressed. But before I get into it, this podcast is brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga, turning lambs into lions since 2013. If you like this podcast and want to support us, there are many ways you can do it. You can, for free, follow us on Instagram, Urban Tactics Krav Maga, and on Facebook, Urban Tactics Krav Maga, on Twitter, at Urban Tactics KM. You can, of course, come train with us in person and check out one of the best self-defense programs in Metro Vancouver. You can go to urbantacticskm.com and check out how to sign up to train with us. And you can also, if you would like to, sign up to get your Canadian firearms safety courses required for your firearms license in Canada. I do teach those myself. So if you want to get your firearms license in Canada, you you can again sign up on urbantacticskm.com. Check out the updated schedule. Uh, click on the tab on the menu that CFR Canadian Firearm Safety Course in acronym. I always have trouble saying it. And of course, you can check our blog out at utkmblog.com. Now, another way you can support us if you go to the blog utkmblog.com and click on support us, you can support us one time or regular donation. Now, I understand that is a difficult thing to do for the internet unless someone is in, in the hospital or something so i completely understand if you want something for your value you can then go to utkmu.com utkmu.com is where i've put up videos of our curriculum among other things uh, there's packages you go to utkmu.com you click on sign up and you can get a beginner monthly or novice monthly or annual memberships and then you can check out the curriculum as we teach it at UTKM if you're unable to train in person with us. No, I do not hand out belts online, so do not ask. It is simply a supplemental place for your regular Kramaga training, whether you are a Kramaga instructor or otherwise, and just want to get a different perspective on how I approach stuff. So there is that. I think I covered it all. I'm pretty sure I did. Sometimes I forget things. Okay, so back to Ryan. So I'm really happy, and I mentioned at the end of the podcast, I'm almost on 100 episodes. Yes, I know I took like two years off, but uh, Ryan is actually the first person to reach out and say, hey, I heard your podcast. I want to be a guest, and I love that. It means people are actually listening. Instead of me harassing people to come on, some who willingly do and some who pretend like I didn't ask them in the first place. You can just say no. It's much more polite. Um, but anyways, so I'm really happy Ryan reached out to me as he said, I want to talk about jujitsu and how it's helped mental health and give a little bit about uh, his background. He does go it into the podcast, but this is off of their website, advantage jujitsu.ca. So Ryan Kitchen, owner of Black Belt and the kids instructor, Ryan found jujitsu in 2007 after his mother was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. Jiu-Jitsu became a positive escape from the stresses of his everyday life and something meaningful to work towards. Training partners provided support and became friends, helping him 
through a difficult time. Ryan enjoys testing himself often in competition and will be competing this upcoming year at the FGGF World Masters. But we did discuss that. Uh, COVID threw both our plans off on that. Ryan also has been and will continue to help teach the kids program at one of the most successful competition kids teams in the Lower Mainland. Now he's planning to bring the same winning formula to Advantage Kids 1 and 2. When off the mats, Ryan is usually doing what he can help his wife Sophie run her business, True Conditioning. He might be found walking around Steveston with one or both of their bulldogs, Winston and Sensei. And of course, the other uh, instructor, the co-founder is Brock Stone. Uh, we mentioned him as well because uh, I actually started in the gym with him, so I I'm, haven't seen Brock in many years, but he's also one of the main instructors, and they recently partnered with uh, the Pacific Top Team Richmond, and I believe the instructor is Evan. So that's the whole team over at Advantage Jiu-Jitsu that we discussed. And again, Ryan wanted to talk about mental health and martial arts, and we mostly stayed on topic on this one. No crazy tangents for you people who love that stuff, we stuck, stuck mostly to childhood development to martial arts, how martial arts helped mental health and uh, our thoughts around that. And also we did talk about uh, keeping it as apolitical as I possibly can, uh, running a business during COVID, which was, of course, challenging. Uh, we're fortunate we are where we are, which made it a little bit easier. But uh, as Ryan does mention, we did not feel very supported by our local government. But again, a fairly apolitical for me because Ryan doesn't want to go crazy as he teaches the kids. He doesn't want the parents to uh, reasonably think he's a nut job. He's not. Ryan is a wonderful person who found jiu-jitsu and has helped him immensely. And uh, I thought this was a very productive talk on martial arts, mental health, particularly jiu-jitsu. So enjoy this episode 99 with Ryan Kitchens. Krav Maga is not just a self-defense system, it is a way of life. Warriors Den is a podcast for Kravists, fighters, martial artists, warriors, politicians, and general citizens. Consider this, the society that separates scholars from its warriors will have its thinking done by cowards and its fighting done by fools. Lucididi. Your host, Jonathan Fader, talks to guests in an open and uncensored format about their fights, their philosophies, and their lives. No topic is taboo, and the conversation may start in one place and end in another. As the quote suggests, you cannot separate the warrior from the politics and the world around them, as a true warrior must be a student in all forms of art and science. You're listening to The Warrior's Day. Warrior's Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga, turning lambs into lions. Okay, welcome back. I am here with Ryan Kitchen, black belt co-owner of Advantage Jiu-Jitsu and Steve Stan in Richmond, BC. How are you today? Um, I'm doing okay. I've got a little bit of a shoulder injury, so I've got my arm propped up on my couch corner here. But Yeah, uh, you were actually just teaching before you okay. came on, right? Yeah, I have a 6 a.m. class every Monday and Wednesday, so I have the pleasure of waking up at 5.30 uh, to get a, a dedicated few that come out at uh, 
6 a.m. to learn the art of beating each other up. Part of me is happy Kramaga is not popular enough in this city that I have to get up and do that. But it's a good thing. Good problem to have, right? <laughs> yeah. If anything, it was just a missed opportunity if we didn't do it because yeah. uh, we got a lot of uh, a lot of parents who uh, have to do stuff with their kids after school, teaching soccer or coaching soccer, hockey, driving them around to gymnastics, whatever, and they can't make the evening classes. So Yeah, makes sense. So um, let's start. How did you get into jiu-jitsu and martial arts? And uh, let's talk about a little bit about your journey to black belt. Uh, well, I got into martial arts pretty much just being a fan of the UFC. High school, it's kind of, uh, I, I graduated in 2007, so I kind of was in the uh, Ultimate Fighter kind of uptick of mm. UFC where I think I was watching Ultimate Fighter when I was maybe grade eight, nine, 10, something like that. And by the time I graduated, I thought, oh, this is such a cool sport. A uh, guy that I work with trained jujitsu when I was in high school. So went to a class, fell into it right away, loved it. Um, after graduating, I think my first year of university, I was picking my courses based on when the jujitsu schedule was so i was like yeah. yeah i could i can do that course next term i don't need to do it now it, it conflicts with my noon class or something like that yeah and uh eventually um a bunch of things happened in my life where my mother passed away and uh i opened up a business with my now wife but was girlfriend that also let me kind of keep my jujitsu journey going to the point where i didn't have to sacrifice anything work-wise for uh, jiu-jitsu because I see that's the way it goes a lot of times with really young guys that get into it they get into a really important job where they're sacrificing 60 hours a week to try and like work up the corporate ladder they mm -hmm. kind of fall off the jiu-jitsu journey they come back when they're in their late 20s I was lucky enough to kind of be able to continue to go through it and uh, after my mother passed away uh, from um, terminal brain cancer and stuff. It uh, just became kind of the sole focus in my life where it was like, hey, I don't need to worry about um, kind of where, where the journey is going to end. It was kind of like, how much do I enjoy it now? Mm. Kind of changed my perspective a little bit. Yeah. And it was like, this is how much I love this sport. I'm going to dedicate most of my time to doing this. And uh, that's led me to now where <laughs> pr pretty much uh, had the opportunity to open up a gym with uh, my longtime training partner and uh, kind of, I would say, pseudo mentor, head instructor, Brock mm -hmm. Stone, who's uh, been a couple years ahead of me the whole way. He's kind of like older brother figure for me in jujitsu and mm -hmm. uh, lucky enough to have um, partnered with him. And then, yeah, we are where we are now with, uh, with the gym. So. Yeah, it's actually uh, well, funny story. I started my jujitsu journey with you guys actually way back in the day, mm -hmm. and then uh, just due to circumstances and convenience, I moved to to where I am now. Uh, how much uh, is because is, is everything the same? Like, because I know that was a very like hardcore gym from the guys that were dedicated there. Yeah, and then you know a few years ago, I'm like, oh, these the younger guys are launching launching their own gym uh how that process kind of happened so unfortunately um like you know the gym we were at i don't need to name names yeah. or, or throw anybody under the bus or anything like that but uh they the gym we were at pretty much became almost like an inmate 
lead asylum where <laughs> uh the the owner wasn't really involved mm. and uh we were pretty much all there for each other mm. and then when the opportunity kind of arised for us to leave uh brock and i jumped on it and uh all the other black belts and everybody else followed. So I think our noon class, which is like our most consistent class, Mondays and Wednesdays, I think sometimes you can see 10 or 12 black belts on the mat for our yeah. noon class. So it's it's like all the old guard that kind of yeah. followed through. And then um, the the vibe we're having now, I think too, because of, I think you started maybe 10 years ago, right? Uh, 2012, yeah. 2012, so almost 10 years ago, yeah. yeah. So it was... A little bit more hardcore when everybody was 10 years younger yeah uh, now it's a little bit uh let's let's take care of each other and um make sure that everybody is is uh happy just training yeah um, i always like to use the phrase don't break your toys so don't it's a good don't phrase go too, yeah. don't go too yeah, don't go too hard to uh ruin your training partners but yeah. at the same time we do have a lot of um young guys we got a couple pro fighters training at that noon class and stuff so it's mm. I wouldn't say it's hardcore uh, by Krav Maga standards or by uh, uh, some of the other gyms in the area standard, but it's definitely not a, uh, a, a low-level hobbyist class. Well, see, that's a myth about Krav Maga. Well, it's not a myth, but it's misrepresented as the hardcore. And I have yeah. the same attitude in my class. Uh, if I run my class like they do in Eastern Europe, I'm not going to have any students. And it's just that... <laughs> It's, you know, I was listening to uh, actually uh, Brendan Schaub, the Below the Belt podcast, and he was talking about uh, the earlier days in his training camp with like Shane Carlin and those guys. And they used to just beat the shit out of each other. And then he went back now. Uh, he was just where he uh, in, in Colorado. And he was telling he's like, wow, these guys are not killing each other anymore. And then he looked at he's like, actually, they produce more champions now. Because that's actually the way you train, like the sort of uh, Muay Thai the style mm -hmm. where they train softer. You end yeah. up with better results because you can get in more training hours, more consistency. People aren't terrified to come. You can get a wider variety of people. Um, I think that's the more modern approach. The, the old school meathead kicked the crap out of each other. For no matter the style, I don't think is the most conducive to optimal training anymore. Well, I think too, like at least for jujitsu. Um, locally the scene has grown so much mm. that uh if you want to compete you can go compete at competitions it's not yeah. like there's one competition a year or two competitions a year anymore mm. like it might be right now in the current climate and everything yeah. but uh they before 2019 i think there was a competition every other weekend if you wanted to yeah so you don't need to compete against your teammates you can just yeah. go and train um, yeah but I how think do you been have you been competing at all or just uh training and teaching i haven't competed since i got my black belt hmm. i had uh kind of circled on the calendar world masters 2019 so i turned 30 in 2019 yeah. so i was like finally i get my chance to compete at masters yeah um but for those listeners who don't know or might be uh in the jiu-jitsu community or something like that and understand who matt kwan is i'm kind of like the opposite of Matt Kwan in the <laughs> sense that like he is, he's competition driven. Yeah. I'm more driven to compete, to um, be able to tell other people to compete. Mm. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I'm kind of like, I feel like a hypocrite if I tell all my guys to compete and I don't. Mm. Uh, but my goal from competition mostly is to have a couple good matches, 
see what's working and not working in my game. Yeah. Um, I have no illusions of being a world champion or, um, again, if, if I would, I've seen Matt Kwan compete recently and I've competed against him multiple times in the past. I stood a much better chance a few years ago <laughs> to beat him <laughs> than, I, than I would now. Yeah. Right. So I, I have no, um, kind of qualms about competing. It's just, I'm, I'm going into it with a separate goal, which yeah. is let's see what's working in my game. Um, be there to support my other guys, lead by example. Uh, but if if I see my bracket and I get certain guys that I know I might get first match, it's going to be yeah. a, a short day for me. <laughs> I was actually in the same boat. I'd competed uh, World Masters in 2018. And then I was like, hey, 2019, uh, I got knocked out my second match and I was so pissed because I was up and I made a just stupid mistake. And then he got me on, uh, on two points and I was like, crap. So I was like, 2019, I'm going to I'm going to train hard. And I started to and then you know what happened. And now I'm just yeah. like out of competition for a while until this shit goes away. But um, it's, it's those, uh, those are the experience that make you a better coach. Oh, yeah. yeah Things like that. Sure. When you make a mistake in competition, that makes you a better coach. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the thing. I think that's one of the reasons jujitsu is so popular because those people with that competitive drive but don't like getting punched in the face, it gives them that amazing outlet to drive athletically um, versus something like Krav Maga. A lot of those guys don't like Krav because there's no competition. So mm. it, it's a huge draw for the sport. And then then more for people like you and me who are like, like I'll compete, but uh, I like training and it gives me something to, to, to stay consistent with. It's, a, it's an easy longevity. You know, you can do jujitsu for a long time, right? It gives you a goal too, like... Um... Like if I know I've got to be on weight at this date, I got to train myself up, like keep my weightlifting regime intact. I got to run. I got to go do my hard rounds a couple times a week. I got to pick out those tough guys in training so that I know I feel I'm ready. Mm. Um, like even, even just the act of, I, I've, I've competed uh, pretty consistently from white belt up until like, again, I haven't competed at black belt yet, but I competed right through my brown belt and, uh, a lot of it, I think, is for me, knowing that I have this set date where I've got to be in shape to the point of being on weight at least, yeah. even if I'm not in shape, but at least going to be on weight. And, and then uh, knowing that I have this task ahead of me, it just gives me something to work towards. And yeah. uh, when you kind of are a hobbyist, more or less, it, it gives you a new goal. Whereas I know... Uh, people that are pros and, and uh, guys that are training pretty much for a living to train yeah. and have their competition success dictate um, how successful their gym's going to be or their reputation, then there's a lot more on the line for them. Whereas me, it's like just even getting to a competition and competing is that's, that's all that's on the line. Yeah. For me. So, so uh, is, is Brock the same way? Cause I don't know, is he more competitive or more <laughs> training? So, I, I really hope Brock doesn't hear this podcast because he, uh, <laughs> is he one of the most humble guys around, but I yeah. think Brock is the best guy in BC that doesn't compete. Right. So he's, yeah. he's only ever competed one time to my knowledge, maybe once when he was really, really early belt, but, uh, he did like a small in in in-house tournament, um, at another club and subbed like a pro MMA fighter in like 30 seconds with a yeah. choke from the guard. Like, you know, he's... He, uh, I think when I was there, he got his brown belt 
And then he had his brown belt for the longest time, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, him and I both, I think, were brown belts for like five years. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, he's he's on the level. So we just actually brought up um, Andres Bernofsky mm. from um, Legion for yeah. a, a seminar. And uh, I think one of the best compliments you can get from like a uh, kind of top level competitor is if they say, you're a good black belt. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't I didn't get that compliment, but Brock yeah. did. <laughs> so no hard feelings, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm more just like that. That when I hear that, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not wrong, I'm not crazy. Yeah. But then again, in, in, particularly in jujitsu, because it's uh, I mean it's the same for any martial art. Uh, but there's black belts and then there's black belts, right? Yeah, yeah. So and there's what, there's sliding scales of why you would get your black belt too. Right? Yeah. Like, are yeah. you a black belt because you're beating everyone? And we have to give it to you or are you a black belt because you've accrued so much knowledge yeah and you're a good example and you can pass it on and yeah it's like me uh, like i'm still purple belt you know i haven't been the most uh, i've been i go through periods where i'm like training a lot for three months and then not that much for three months it really depends on what's going on and then you know some days i'm like oh i really feel like a purple belt and then other days some athletic young white or blue belt comes through and i'm like i do not feel like a purple belt <laughs> it's very relative <laughs> so you're, you're telling me that now yeah I'm, i i i just turned 32 yeah. and uh i find now when the guys that are 20 come in i'm like am i really a black belt because <laughs> yeah. this guy that knows nothing can uh easily easily outpower me in a lot yeah. of positions so i've got to got to play a little bit more possum in a lot of things and uh let them beat me to then get into the good positions the old man jiu-jitsu i'm just gonna wait and then i'll trap you <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll trap you i'll trap you in this the setup that i had that you don't even know is there and you're not yeah. falling into it because you don't know jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> but it still works but i mean that's like uh one of the most humbling things it's easy to humble you in jiu-jitsu that's why you know the people who have huge egos in jiu-jitsu you know they're a dick <laughs> because <laughs> unless they've been winning their entire time uh you're gonna get humbled by somebody either just because they're bigger than you or they're just more technical than you and if you don't get over that fast it's it's gonna be a miserable experience <laughs> right have you had any of those like uh humbling experiences earlier on like did you come obviously now you are but like earlier on did you come in hot? Because I certainly did. <laughs> um, I didn't come in hot to jujitsu. It was more when I was younger and I thought I might have the idea of fighting MMA. Mm. So me too, you know, me too. <laughs> being like 18, 19, thinking like, you know what? I'm a blue belt in jujitsu right now. I might want to think about fighting MMA. You see things like John Jones winning the yeah. world championship at 21. And then you're thinking like, hey, I'm 21. I, I can try this it's like no you're a different breed of athlete you're not you're well not. he also just got arrested again and charged <laughs> yeah, of course. so you know you're better than that <laughs> yeah. but um no i we've got a couple high level strikers that were um also like purple belts in jujitsu and stuff and uh getting pieced up on the feet a little bit and knowing mm. that i was still at a deficit in yeah. the jujitsu realm yeah. um kind of made me reassess things and uh again, just assessing injuries. Like I wasn't yeah. willing to, I saw, I had a friend that uh, fought and um, still has eye, eye issues today mm. from getting poked in the eye in an amateur yeah. fight. And that was kind of the, the nail in the coffin for me. Yeah. thinking about MMA and then I just turned the focus 
100% towards like sport jujitsu and just yeah. turning into like chess. Like yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of like uh, Keenan Cornelius's approach and mm. um, guys that kind of lay it out as like a puzzle, Marcelo Garcia and like mm. stuff like that, where they have a, a real system that they're trying to put in place. Mm. Um, and, and that just like really identified with me. So, yeah. Yeah. See, my, my uh, wake up call was I'm five, six. I walk around at 155, 160 pounds and I have T-Rex arms. So it was like, I'm going to have to cut to like 125 to fight and I'm that will kill me. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I'm out. The, and then once I realized that, my my drive to train was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be a hobbyist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, especially once you actually see the reality of you're only going to get paid yeah. this much money too. It's like, is it really worth being in pain for six weeks after the fight because you kick the guy really hard in the elbow or the knee or something like that. You know, back then uh, you got paid a lot more in sponsorships. Like average fighter would make like a hundred grand to fight. And then the the Reebok deal. Even just to fight locally on like a local card. Oh yeah. What are you getting paid? Like you gotta, you gotta put in your time before you get to something like that. Right. That is true. Yeah. And even even with the pay, like I was listening to something, it's, you know, the UFC gets in trouble for not paying its fighters. But I'm like, I was thinking about it. It's like you go to the other leagues, you will get paid to fight properly, you know, 100, 200, 300 grand a fight. Mm -hmm. But that's the route for fighters who are not charismatic. If you're charismatic and have a personality, you want to go to the UFC Mm -hmm. because you will in the long run, make more money from endorsements and all that other stuff. Cause like, even if you're like a one champ, you know, most of the world has no idea who you are, but if you're in UFC, even as a decent trash talker or whatever, you're going to make a lot more money because people want want you to show up for stuff. So it's like give or take. I'm sure you're aware, like we've got Bibiano Fernandez here yeah. in Langley. He's like the arguably top three all time, mm. like 125 pound fighters. Yeah. And I would be really surprised if one out of 10 MMA fans in Vancouver knew who yeah. he was. They don't. Like I've yeah. talked to people. I'm like, oh, you know, he's yeah. in he's in here. And they're like, who's that? Like it's yeah. uh, if he goes to Asia, though, he's probably recognized quite well. Well, he should live in Asia, honestly. It'd be much cheaper. <laughs> right. I hear he's living well here, though, so it's, it's fine. Oh, that's good. So um, part of your journey you were mentioning was uh, the, the, how it's helped you in, in mental health. I, and, and that's a huge aspect to me. So I'll give you an example. The way I approach Kramaga self-defense is a little bit different than a lot of people uh, because I integrate the mental health aspect as part of self-defense, and I discuss that. Uh, you know, and I had a journey with mental health issues for a variety of reasons, but I had clinical depression for a long time. Uh, and for me, running the school, uh, even if it was doing poorly, uh, gave me purpose and gave me the will to want to keep going kind of thing. Because all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I have my students. I can't let my students I uh, can't let them down no matter what was happening. And, it, and and I got so much shit, you know, like you should give it up. And it, it uh, helped me through a lot of stuff because it gave me the drive to do something. Um, so how has martial arts and running a school helped you with that aspect? Um, so with me personally, um, mental health wise, running a gym, um, it's given me a lot of satisfaction 
from helping helping out other people, helping other seeing other people realize their goals, seeing other people. Um, I, I don't really know how to say it because it's not escaping the issues in their life, mm. but it's it's like helping them deal with it in the sense that if if you have what whatever it is going on in your life, you walk into the gym, you got to kind of like as soon as you get into that change room and you get changed into your uniform, you kind of got to leave it with your clothes, leave it with your gym bag, because mm. there's so much focus required. Uh, there's literally someone trying to strangle you, fight you. Like you can't be thinking about whatever else it is in your life that's going on. And if you are, um, there are so many people around that are pretty much sympathetic and willing to listen to you because they've shared so much intimate experience with you over the last, however long it's been, you've been training that it's almost like they know you, even if you guys aren't friends, yeah. they, they know you as a person, right? Yeah. Like I always like to talk about jujitsu. Like it's like a debate. The first time you meet someone, if you go a hundred percent at them and you say like, this is my view on gay marriage or this is whatever, it's going to be a pretty rough conversation. Right. Yeah. But if you casually kind of get to know the person over five or six or seven or eight um, roles or conversations or something like that, it can be a much easier topic to broach if you have something that's difficult to talk about. Hmm. And not that it has to be an abrasive topic, but but if it's like you have something that is weighing on you, that you need just someone to unload it on, you don't have a therapist, you've already talked to your spouse multiple times or maybe it's an issue with someone that's in your family and you can't talk about with them um if you bring it to someone on the mats or or at the club by from my experience just seeing it from other perspectives everyone is very wanting to help just almost like they're wanting to they, they go into a martial arts gym wanting to help people get better at martial arts yeah but that same attitude parlays to um helping people in other aspects of life yeah right that makes sense and, no, and for i was gonna say for me personally when i was coming up um dealing with the stress and the loss of my mother and things like that it was a nice escape mm. so for some people it's an escape for some people it's a therapy for others it's maybe um a way to get out uh negative energy like it can be so many different things for so many different people mm. um but the, the idea that it's all about martial arts is, is what I was trying to say. It, it's, it can be so much more than that. Yeah. It's interesting you say it because a lot of people do approach martial arts as an escape where they can just turn it off and focus on something. For me, like, because it, it doesn't necessarily apply to jiu-jitsu, but for me, like teaching self-defense, I take, a, as I mentioned, a holistic approach. So I will talk about politics of the day. I will talk about... One, because I like it, I fully admit that. But uh, I, for me, that is aspects of of self defense, um, because you need to be aware of what's going on in the world around you in order to prepare for possibilities that might happen. And a lot of people actually don't like that because they do want to treat their martial arts as the escape. Like I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to come here and do stuff. For me, again, for my approach, it's like I can't. I have to talk about it because I need you to be prepared for the consequences of real life while as a jiu-jitsu which is a sports martial art it's a lot easier to treat it as that escape um but as you mentioned it's 
if you have a good environment in a gym, because it's not always the case, as you know, um, yeah. people are become friends and become family. Uh, the opposite side is where they're going to the gym to escape their family at home, which happens occasionally. Um, maybe expand on that sort of more. Well, I was going to say people have different sets of friends, right? Yeah. So um, just a little background on me. My, my mother was first diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was like three years old. And then um, she had surgery, went into remission, came back when I was maybe like 12, 13. So all of my friends growing up pretty much to this day knew me as the guy whose mom was sick, right? Mm. It's like, okay, his mom's sick. Everyone knows about it. If I needed to talk to them about it, I could. Um, I have my group of friends that I needed, I could get emotional support from. Mm. But at the same time, I could go to jujitsu and have a bunch of people that don't know me. Mm that I could just put everything aside from, I'm not going to get any questions about any family stuff, anything. I can just go in, have fun, leave, like cry in the car on the way there, cry in the car on the way back. But that was removed. Hmm. Uh, but there are other people that don't have that support group around them, right? They, their, their support group is their jujitsu friends, hmm. right? And I think if you've developed this relationship with people on an intimate level where you're literally like sweating in each other's mouths every so often, yeah, right. <laughs> like for you to say like, Hey, my mom's going through something or like, can we just sit this round off? And like, can you just listen to me for a sec or talk mm. about the issue I'm having with my wife? Or I know you have kids. My kids are going through this thing. Like, I think it's a much more receptive ear than um, someone that might be in your inner circle of friends where you can almost like outsource advice to someone you trust and know, but it's not someone that also knows your wife and knows your kids and knows mm. all these other things. They know you well. And even if they don't know you as a friend, they know you as a person because they've experienced how you interact with people when it's um, like there, there are, like you've seen from so many examples, there are people that if they get a choke on you, and they know it's on, they kind of let up before you tap. Yeah. Right. It's also so an kinda, experience thing too. Oh, yeah, you're, but uh, it, why aren't you tapping? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but it's like, they, they kind of feel from you like, oh, something's going on with this guy. Yeah. Right? Like I've, I've trained with this guy a lot. I know something's up with him and, and they're going to give you that time. Um, I also know a lot of people that just need to come in and train just to have that as like social interaction especially yeah. over the last um, two years, <laughs> we were lucky enough that our gym was able to open up on July 1st. And mm. even if we have to follow all the government regulations and all that stuff, there's people that can get that social interaction that they might've been lacking for the last 18 mm. months. Um, we've got one guy that will remain nameless that will definitely not be listening to this podcast, but uh, his, his, his English is really bad, <laughs> but uh, he, he, uh, he lives with his wife who has been pretty much shut in for the last two years. Yeah. And he goes to jujitsu just to interact with people and drags it out as long as he can. Every, every session, yeah. he tries to stay for like an extra hour, go for dinner with people or something. Cause he's just looking for an outlet to kind of meet his needs. Yeah. Um, so that, makes that's, sense. yeah, that, that's what I would say most is, is if you find, something that you fall into it could be the same I, I, i'm using martial arts vaguely but it could be the same with like a hockey team or um, soccer team or anything like that where it's like you have this team environment that's outside of your inner circle that um, can hear your your needs but i think 
with something like jujitsu, your connection with people is so much more intimate mm -hmm. that it's a lot easier to broach these subjects and topics. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you were listening to me like over the last few years, like one of the like I was I'm, I'm still angry at our, our leadership, if you want to call it that, for just ignoring the mental health issue of shutting people in their houses. And even even now I know people who are, they're still super anxious as a result of that. Oh. And I, a lot of the, the a lot of the ways people are behaving right now socially that I find completely unpalatable but people have convinced themselves that it's acceptable um, is because they don't want to go back to that state of mental health. Now, when we finally were, let's say, officially allowed to open up again, uh, I saw a huge influx in people that were just like cabin fever and just wanted to, to right. show up. Did you guys find that as well? Uh, we saw a decent influx of people. We're kind of lucky to be in an area where there's not a lot of competing gyms. Mm. Like we've, the only other gym around us is a GB. Mm. So it's, uh, it's, do you go to McDonald's or do you go to the artisan sandwich shop? Um, <laughs> we won't go too much into that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but uh, be, because of that, I think we saw a, a decent amount. Um, the biggest thing I saw was kids. Yeah. So not being able to have kids program for like 18 months was um difficult and parents just wanting to get their kids away from them was like huge like um i think like we've got a really good community of kids and stuff like that but the lack of kids activities like i can't imagine what it would be like being eight or nine years old and not being able to see your friends for a year yeah and then even when you do, it's under these very specific circumstances. And um, that's that's the biggest thing I've seen is the kids programs have been uh, very, very popular. You got a got bunch of guys, too, that are in their early 20s that never mm. really had the chance to join in right after high school that are coming yeah. in. But yeah. um, and then a lot of people that just came back. We, we again, we partnered up with um, Evan from Pacific Top Team. Mm. Um, so not it was a circumstance of covid but um with how i was looking at opening the gym in the first place evan yeah. was a good option to try and partner with and with his lease kind of coming to an end and um just the opportunity to work together rather than mm. competing against each other we just talked and uh yeah so we're all one big family now so we've got a lot of people that were away from his gym, away from my gym for months and months on a time that are coming back now. Yeah. So that, that's actually an interesting sort of dynamic there, because normally uh, when you get and you can maybe expand uh, without pissing people off, like because Pacific Top Team is a fairly large chain of schools. They they were doing quite well. And I in COVID, I know they didn't. They kind of got hit hard. And uh, to see two schools just straight up merge under one brand kind of or uh, I don't know the dynamics, but it's interesting because I've seen other schools sort of merge, but they're not really merged. It's like, no, my name is still here and your name is still there. So how that, yeah. how, how is that working? Like uh, business wise, business wise, it's so anyone that's interested in the business of martial arts, there's nothing really set in stone. There's no like benchmark standard that you have to go by. Yeah. So it's very kind of, what are you all agreeing upon? Um, with Evan, I've been friends with Evan for, for very many years. I was teaching class at his school like probably four years ago mm. um, just because I wanted to do an extra class 
and there was no time available. So I was like, hey, Evan, can I teach a class at your gym at this time? Um, we've been friends for a while with every, the, all the uncertainty, um, him having his lease come to an end and having to reinvest into a new space with possibly staying closed for six months and mm. so many variables. We kind of just came to the conclusion like, hey, let's all just take a bigger slice of a smaller pizza and not compete against each other and uh, kind of merge things work together. Um, we have a really nice dynamic gym wise where we had a very similar philosophy um, prior to merging. So uh, we were originally unaffiliated because we had left our prior gym. So now we're just the same branding affiliated with Pacific top team. Mm. And that's mostly because I don't want to pay to do the branding again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if we were to ever move and have to redo signage and redo the design of the gym or something like that we could be called pacific top team richmond mm. united united richmond united front <laughs> jujitsu like yeah. some something like that but it's uh as it sits right now we were willing to host him out of our gym to run his club and just mm. pay us dues uh but that was an offer that was kind of in like if we were open up in March and then it became May, then June, yeah. then July, then, okay, if you're closed for this long, let's just work together on this and not cost yeah. each other money. Yeah. Well, the good news is I don't think anyone can afford shutdowns anymore, including the government. So I think that's off the table now. Well, um, my biggest gripe as a business owner is from the government, we haven't gotten anything really. Oh, like yeah. from the federal government, there's some things, but from the provincial government, the one laying down all these restrictions and laws yeah. and all this stuff, it's like, Where's my, where's my training fee on how to implement all these protocols? Where's my rebate for like property tax or something like well, that? Well, there were things and I, I got involved with some of them, but in typical government fashion, they are like, why don't you know about these things? It's mm -hmm. like, why do you guys suck at telling people this stuff? Nobody watches the news anymore. Would you grow up and get into the 21st century? Like, you know, I remember... Uh, earlier in the, when they're doing the daily briefings, they're like, why isn't anyone listening to us? It's like, wrong. You're out of date. The youth don't watch this. That's why. Like, why don't, <laughs> why don't all, why don't all business owners just get a letter from the government explaining everything? Why do we have to yeah, search know, it ourselves? Right? They have a business because it costs money for them and they don't want to spend money in educating. It's your job as a business owner. Uh, it's actually hilarious not to get too much on a tangent is that their response and in the courts, it'll always be like, well, you're, you're responsible. You should do your own education. I'm like, you make the rules. You set all the parameters. You need to tell us. No, no, no. no it's your responsibility. It's like it's no secret. I am a huge anti big government person. I do not like it. It's inefficient. They hire the worst people uh, and they don't do anything right, as we saw in the last year and a half basically everywhere and then they just all kind of agreed to, with each other to keep doing shitty decisions to make each other look better <laughs> that's my stance on that <laughs> uh, at the risk of saying something I, I don't want to have to take back i'll i'll remain neutral on yeah no that's fine the, the the biggest thing i've seen from um all of the stuff that's happened is the the lack of notice that they give yeah. business owners yeah. like if you want us to pivot and do something give us a couple weeks notice don't make it like 24 hours or something like that like i own another business with my wife i remember being at lunch on a sunday morning or might have been a brunch and it was like 
tonight effective midnight this protocol goes into place it's like well i got like seven employees i've got to notify of this we've got to cancel our classes we got to do all this stuff it's like where's my payment for doing yeah. this where's yeah. my it's, it's a matter of convenience it's a matter of convenience they pull that crap because they don't want to deal with all the people telling them hey you didn't think this through so you can't do that so it's like we're doing it but i know they got yelled, here at least they got yelled at enough times for that they stopped mm -hmm. doing that um but uh again with, you don't have to comment on this apparently in the head uh health officials book that she apparently had time to write she admitted that her policies had nothing to do with health and safety she's just another one of these people that are being doing what they're told if they want to keep their job mm -hmm. so like that should make wheel. They should make everyone feel good that we basically all got screwed as business owners, small business owners, uh, for the sake of politically motivated nonsense. But like, because you did open a gym during this time, or you, did you open before? Or just we, were, after? we were open about six months prior. Yeah, the fun best, time to start a yeah, business. Yeah, perfect timing, right? Yeah. So, um, How are you feeling? Like, we just opened six months, and then, like, where was your head at? um well originally my head was awesome let's lock everything down for two weeks and we'll be done with this mm. <laughs> but then uh as it started to get the way that like again i, I don't think we're really going to have an idea of how everything has played out for like five years mm. until you can kind of see where the mistakes were and what <laughs> should have been done properly and retroactively and stuff you mean but, where everyone um, is no longer in the jobs that they were in so they can't they're like oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i uh originally it was hopeful and yeah. then uh, we were lucky enough to we were we were locked down from pretty much or shut down from march until kind of the summer of uh 20 mm. right uh, and then we were open until february or november and then closed through till july again right mm. so when we saw the reopening after the first shutdown, we saw a big uptick in clients. Yeah. So we at least saw, okay, we're doing something that people like. It's worth it, but digging ourselves. Honestly, I'm, I hate paying taxes. Yep. So, so I was kind of just like, just documenting all of our losses so that, so that I can offset our taxes for the next like five years. Yeah. But um, it was one of those, I know we've got a good product. I think that if we weighed out some of the other businesses that might fail, and again, not that that was a scenario with us joining up with Pacific Top Team. It was just a sheer kind of happenstance. Mm. Um, their lease was up at the same time during COVID. But I was kind of thinking there's seven or eight gyms in um, vicinity of us. How many of them are going to withstand this? And then afterwards we'll be able to take a bigger market share of the the population that, that would be frequenting our place but yeah did did those places end up closing down because you know from my stance i didn't see like in jujitsu not that many schools went under locally yeah not that many schools went under and not that it's a bad thing i'm like very, i'm very happy that they didn't yeah. um i it's it was uh just an optimistic view of like are will be okay after this mm. like once and again i wasn't thinking it was going to take this long um i don't know if you know chris from fusion fight gear but he was yeah. telling us about how 
he ordered a bunch of masks. This was it back in March yeah. of 2020. And they weren't going to come until like June or July because of like manufacturing yeah. delays yeah. that were in China. And I kind of thought like, ah, no one's going to need masks in June or July. What are you talking about, Chris? You're wasting a bunch of money here. And that was 18 months ago, right? Yeah, right. So um, not that I foresaw it that way. I just kind of saw like, we've got people coming. Uh, we've got a good base. If we have to eat some loss now, um, there is, again, the, the federal government at least gave some sort of support. Mm. So there was a couple things you could apply for and get. But um, as a business owner, the biggest thing I, I thought going forward was what am I in this for? Mm. Am I in this to make money or am I in, in this to provide a community that helps people? Yeah. If I was in it to make money, probably would have wrapped it up. Yeah. Right. Like I'm never going to become a millionaire teaching jujitsu. Well, never say never, Gordon Ryan. Well, never say never. <laughs> yeah, I'm no Gordon Ryan though. But I mean, uh, I'm not going to become like the head of a huge franchise of yeah. jujitsu gyms. Um, I'm never going to be running a gym that has like a million students or something like that, right? So, yeah, um, I'm not going to be an Eddie Bravo of jujitsu running a bunch of affiliates. So it was how can we best set ourselves up to support um, our community? And, and luckily they supported us back a lot. We had a lot of people that had prepaid the year and just let us keep the money. We had a lot of people that kept their membership going yeah. um, just for future considerations uh, because they know if we had to shut down, they'd have nowhere to train. Yeah. Right? So. yeah. I had that, like, I don't like have that many students, but I had enough that helped me get through just by keeping their memberships going. A lot of them had, they didn't lose their jobs. So it was certainly extremely helpful for that. So, but even that support too helps a lot, right? Like yeah. That, that helps you feel encouraged thinking like, oh yeah, is there are people that kind of back what we're doing and don't want to see it go away. Yeah. So. Well, for me, actually, like, I mean, because of like, as much as I, well, the way I look at it is the federal one is like, okay, you're forcing me to shut me down. You give me money. Mm -hmm. Right. I know a lot of sort of right leaning people have a problem with that, but I'm like, no, 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 it's no different than me taking them to court and winning. You yeah. shut me down. You give me money. Um, and they gave it to you in advance too. They didn't even yeah. have you have to have to present your case. It's like, we'll, we'll retroactively well, go after you. Well, you did, I, but it's I, like, I, they'll retroactively go after you if, yeah. if you, if you lied. Yeah. So, and, and I don't think they will, cause that would be a disaster for them. Oh, um, I but, can't imagine what the CRA is going to look like for the, you know, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> but for me that I actually came out on top cause for me, so I am a, a young, well, not young anymore. Younger, ambitious guy. I had no mentorship, no knowledge of business, no nothing, nothing. And I'm just like, I'm going to do all this stuff and uh, various mistakes with partnership choices and decision making. I, you get yourself into a hole and you're like, how the hell am I going to get myself out? So I actually maneuvered. I'm probably coming out on top. Like I cut all my expenses, got rid of everything that I didn't need. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that may not be the case. Uh, for everyone but even though I was bitching and complaining publicly constantly about everything uh, if you maneuvered it right you will come out on top because it forces you to adapt just like in jiu-jitsu like you're losing like it's not working it's not working I got to do something else mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and you I figured out a way and I as long as things don't go sideways again uh, I, I'm going to be doing better than I was before 
I like that you use that analogy because my biggest thing I always say in jujitsu is when you're in a bad spot, just calm down, relax, look at what all your options are, really assess the situation before you act. Right. Because I'm sure you could have acted a bunch of different ways in that moment that might not have led you to um, kind of getting a benefit out of it or, or kind of been able to maneuver your way. Yeah. through it right well it does help my wife is a financial person so she yeah, that helps a lot i'm sure always, why aren't you doing this okay fine because <laughs> i'm pretty stubborn so um that helped now i actually i was earlier with the zoom classes within two weeks i'm like i got the zoom mm-hmm. classes up and the reason why now for crowd my god they're just not zoom classes are not a good thing everyone needs a partner or else just you're just not training properly but yeah. i i reframed it as okay i'm doing basically half an hour hit and then yeah. half an hour uh drilling basic concepts and techniques and my stance was listen you guys are sitting at home i want you to do something physical i want to keep you active i was doing it three four times a week because i knew people sitting at home wallowing in self-pity is going to be a disaster for the mental health mm-hmm. initially a lot of my students were on. Now, for me, Krav Maga, they picked up after a month or two, like, you cannot do Krav Maga via Zoom properly without a partner. So all the students who didn't have people at home, they just, like, dropped off. But the people who were like, you know what, I'm going to do it for fitness, kept coming. And it helped a lot of people through. Did you guys do Zoom at all? or We, so my one, so I, I'm in a kind of fairly unique situation as a jiu-jitsu gym owner because um, I'm, I've kind of got two businesses um, my wife and I, originally I started, when I first started teaching jujitsu, I kind of saw the business model and I was like, okay, we're not really selling anything other than time here. Yeah. Like your, your upfront cost is to get your gym going. And then you're just selling your time. And I viewed fitness in general as a bigger, uh, kind of market share that you could kind of advertise to. So when I was, I think just early purple belt, I opened up a personal training and group fitness gym. And, um, it's since been going on since 2013. Mm -hmm. Uh, my wife runs it now. I'm, it's kind of a blessing in disguise to not have to work with my wife. Um, but she was like right on the ball with zoom fitness classes and everything like that. Um, all of our members were able to have access to that if they wanted, but because I had the space as well, we did do a couple, especially in the earlier days when they were kind of like, you just have to socially distance in the gym, before it was like the gym mandatory lockdowns or the it's changed so much with like gyms and fitness versus martial arts and sports. Yeah. Um, But we have that space available. So we would do a couple of team workouts, uh, zoom workouts, but with the jujitsu side of things uh, it pretty much just went into kind of Gracie garage mode where gave mats out to people, your, your brother-in-laws with this guy, take some mats, go to your house, this guy's got a garage that he could put some mats in, take some mats, go to this guy's garage, take it off my liability, take yeah. it off my ownership. Um, we did have a couple of pro fighters training and stuff. So uh, mm. there was times where we had to like put up tarps and stuff. Yep, we, a, we, very, we all very, did that. We all did yeah, that. Very There's visible window. Here. And it was all it was all legal and allowed and stuff. It's just yeah. you don't need to end up on the news or the have. Karens, yeah. You have someone walking by and knocking on your window and it's like, you don't, I don't need to explain everything to everybody multiple yeah. times a day. Um, but with the zoom for jujitsu, I saw a lot of gyms doing it, 
but there were so many free instructionals from mm. world-class instructors. Yeah. Like who am I to give an instructional over Bernardo Faria or like, yeah. like these are, these are guys that have built their career off of doing instructionals. So yeah. I should stay in my lane and just refund everyone's payments, <laughs> make sure the, make sure the, the rent is paid. And other than that, um, yeah. just pass them on to whatever advice they need. Yeah. Well, I tell you, teaching Zoom is like a different, it's not the same. Yeah. And you have to approach it. It's like there's some jujitsu people that have like excelled teaching Zoom. And then a lot of people haven't. And then, you know, again, like jujitsu, you can because you can just have them doing fundamental movement drills it, and it translates yeah. really well into Zoom. But and as I said, for like Krav Maga, where you really need the resistance of another human being, otherwise your training is just like McDojo Krav Maga. Mm -hmm. um, but jujitsu, if you build those fundamental movements, you can still do it with guidance. And sometimes people just need like... Yeah, they could do it by themselves, but they want the energy of their friends sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, it definitely is not the same. <laughs> I, I could see a bunch of strain on relationships. Like, I don't know about you with your wife, but my wife does not let me practice heel hooks on her or anything <laughs> anymore. Where I'll, I'll just be on my phone watching a video and be like, hey, can I grab your leg? Can I just see if this is like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do this on me. Well, mine, mine probably if well at during COVID we were in an apartment like we we've moved now. I'm setting up a garage gym finally because I have a garage, um, and we probably will train more. I just don't like training, you know, like trying to practice on the bed is very dangerous because I'm probably going to throw her through. The wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we probably will more now that we're going to have the space. But she does jujitsu and krav with me, so. Oh, it's, nice. It's she's not as like hardcore about it, but she'll do it. She's more of a lifter. <laughs> I was just saying, my my wife my wife's into like CrossFit and powerlifting. So yeah, as soon as I grab her leg, it's like, no, no, you're gonna hurt my knee. Don't don't practice this. Don't touch it. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't do this. So um, yeah, get you're more of a gi guy though, right? Um, I'm I'm both. I I'm I'm in. I I was going the no gi route about like pre-covid really mm. diving deep onto the leg locks yeah. um i feel i was really lucky to see how successful matt kwan was with the leg locks early mm. and uh, following rob and a lot of those guys seeing how successful that game can be and um i think you know coming from the gym that we started at um uh where there are a lot of senior guys mm. so it was kind of like a cheat code where yeah. i could uh I could beat guys that are better than me at a lot of other things because they didn't know about it. Yeah. So I kind of delved deep on the leg locks and Nogi became uh, a bit more of my focus. But um, since buying the lapel encyclopedia and getting to know Andres from Legion a lot better, mm. um, the lapel guard game has kind of reinvigorated my gi stuff. So yeah. I would say if I was to compete now, um, I would probably want to compete gi yeah. just so that i don't get submitted by a purple belt <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i you know often you find the really athletic guys love nogi better because it doesn't slow them down i'm the opposite i'm like i want to go slow yeah <laughs> like yeah. if on an on day i can do nogi no problem but if i'm on an off day it's like ah uh, this is a nightmare <laughs> with with the gi personally i find um the older i'm getting yeah. I, I like to uh, fight um, younger, stronger guys with the gi, 
nogi if they're lighter than me again i'm around like 190 200 pounds i'm a bigger guy um i don't mind going against smaller guys but if they're remotely bigger than me and younger than me in the nogi oh no throw they're just gonna sit on me and i'm like okay just don't get submitted we got a guy that trains with us he's like uh pretty much the same height as me so like 5 11 6 feet tall like 280 yeah, geez. so if if he passes your guard nogi, it's it's a rough day. It's crashed. I who yeah. I forgot his name. I was rolling with a black belt briefly. Uh, he was like must have been like that, like but like seven six foot something, and it's like man, he, he purposely lies on his back. Now yes, he's a black belt, and I'm like he's I know he's totally giving me the position. He's like see what you can do, little guy, and I just get on him, and I can can't isolate, can't move, can't do nothing. He's like okay, I'm bored. Flip. <laughs> like, yeah. He didn't submit me, but I don't know if that's because he was just being nice, probably being nice. That's usually where I go, like, just don't get submitted uh, in those situations. <laughs> Which actually, uh, I, where we started, I started at noon classes, which were no, basically no structure, lots of mm. roll time. And yeah. uh, it was mostly people bigger than me, purple belt and up. And at that time, that was like, holy crap. And man, did I get over claustrophobia fast because some of those guys just get on top of you. Uh, Some individuals, I'm sure you know, had hairy chests and no rash guard. They get on top of you and you're like, well, uh, I'll just deal with this. I think I might be knowing who you're talking about. (laughs) All black belts now. I was going to say, he's a black belt now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, that's like, uh, that, that was my introduction to jujitsu, and it didn't scare me away, so that's good. <laughs> even even mental health wise, like if we're kind of bringing it all back, if you can learn to deal with that stress, yeah, where it's like panic stress, which I think is what happens to a lot of people when they get into a um, a defeated mindset or like <clears throat> a uh, a fear mindset, they get into mm. they go into panic mode or self protection mode. Yeah, if you can learn to know that, hey, I can just be in this state and I can bring myself out of it by like just learning to accept it. Yeah. It, it, I think could help a lot of ways in life. And, and uh, even just with business or something like that, like I'm sure you felt it if you've dealt with business partners in the past (laughs) or or things where it's like, you have your panic motion where it's like, okay, what am I going to do? You have your anger, frustration, like all of that happens within like maybe 10, 15 seconds in jujitsu when you're in yeah. getting squished by a guy and yeah. you immediately come to the resolution of like, okay, I just got to relax and I got to accept it. And now I've got to look at what my options are. Yeah. This okay. is a, this is a topic that I regularly integrate into my, uh, my teachings because I teach it as it's exposure therapy. So, right. If someone's terrified of a particular thing, like a spider, like we're all, mm-hmm. nobody likes spiders. Um, mm-hmm. But like, fear crippling they have to they usually do like a tarantula or something and they like there's a tarantula in the other room how do you feel and then they'll bring the tarantula in the terrarium in the room and then they bring eventually they get it on the person so it's that slow exposure like i had a student the other day telling me about an experience at another martial art a long time ago where they got completely overwhelmed and it didn't go so well for them and the if they're a more traditional martial artist they just don't know how to deal with that and I'm like, that's that's totally fine. You just have to go back again because one of the things that Krav Maga does really well, whether the instructors know they're doing it or not, is uh, 
the methodology is you overwhelm your students. You do it regularly. For example, uh, my testing is hard. It's really hard to the point where if you get injured, you have to finish the test. I don't care. And it sounds brutal, but the two things are one, self-defense might be that. You might get injured, mm -hmm. you have to defend yourself. And two, you, you need to know what your limits are. You have to push yourself to your limits so that it's done in a safe environment so that you can realize when it's happening in real life and you need to go now. Like for me, I, I've, I actually, because of COVID, I, like, I didn't, you know, I have a, all sorts of issues. People who know me are like, that guy's nuts, whatever. But I didn't realize I actually had really bad, not quite crippling, but really bad social anxiety, like horrible. It's not good. And anytime I've, I've been in a few social situations where my nervous system, like in a physical fight, I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. But in like social situations, my body's like, I, I don't like this in it. It just like shuts down. And uh, if I, that had happened to me in an unsafe environment, I would have been in trouble. Now, because mm -hmm. it happened to me in a safe environment, when it happened to me, I recognize it. And, and when it's happened to me in the future, I can feel it coming. I'm like, I got to go now before I like pass out mm -hmm. or something. So the same is for that sort of exposure for self-defense for particularly people who grew up in like calmer homes or are not exposed to violence or the opposite end, uh, people who have been overwhelmed with trauma or other stuff. And they're, you know, two opposite ends of the spectrum where one, their nervous system is always on and they need to learn to turn it off. And the other, they've never been stimulated and you slowly expose people, you know, and you say, listen, it's martial arts. You may get hurt. We're not trying to do that, but it is there, but it's relatively safe environment. And that you need to train your mind and body how to handle it. And if you can't, you need to train it to recognize when it's the onset of overwhelm is coming so that you can remove yourself from the situation faster. So, uh, you know, jujitsu does that without really teaching it. Because I, I don't know very many jujitsu and teachers who actively talk about mental health during the class. Uh, then again, Kramagal, it's not the same either. So. <laughs> well, I, I don't actively talk about mental health in the class, but I will, um, when I see people are struggling, I'll pull them aside. Yeah. And I'll kind of say, hey, this is a safe environment if you need to talk or anything mm. like that. Like I'm no therapist or anything like that. But um, kind of the same way where you, you said you, were, you didn't realize it, but you have uh, social anxiety and, and things like that. Um, I, I, I don't know if you remember... But uh, back like years ago when Conor McGregor threw that uh, dolly yeah. at the bus, yeah. Rose Namajunas almost didn't fight on that yeah. fight card. And yeah. that was the card where she won the belt and everything like that. But that was from trauma in her past and everything. Yeah. And I'm fairly confident if she hadn't been um, kind of tested in the fires of having to go through that in the past, yeah. Not not necessarily something like that specifically, but having to overcome anxieties and things like that, she wouldn't have been able to go for it. She would have removed herself from the event the next day and things like like I know the situation's a little bit different, but it's it still speaks to how certain triggers can be um, you can feel them and and it affects so many other things in your life. Mm. Um, like if if you if you feel like okay. I'm, I'm almost paralyzed by this fear right now. I don't want to do this. Uh, if you can at least recognize that, that's the yeah. first step to possibly overcoming it or even just dealing with it in, this, in a positive way. 
that that might be removing yourself from the situation, but it's like you at least have that trigger of of recognizing it versus being paralyzed by the fear or yeah. or by um, whatever whatever the situation is. You're not you're not a a witness to it. You're an active participant. Yeah. In it, right? Yeah, and that's that's sort of key, and that's you know. I'll try to say it in a way that doesn't, because you you don't want to get too political. The, no, you can say it. It's okay. The sort it's of your podcast, man. Yeah, the woke attitude of say universal. Woke is not the best word, but it, everyone knows what it means nowadays. Yeah. I think the sort of avoidance attitude of the woke people towards mm -hmm. this stuff. We don't talk about it. I don't want to trigger you. I don't want to do that. And it's like yeah, it's yeah. literally going against all of the data on mental health. It's like these people don't understand that you need to confront and you need to grow. And if we're avoiding, we're not allowed to talk about stuff, it's too, it's too triggering for you. It's like, listen, you need to learn to deal with that. Your anxiety is not my problem. And, you know, for me, like, like, like sounds brutal. Like, I, as an instructor, your anxiety is my yeah. problem. But as a general rule, you know, we're seeing this in COVID. Your anxiety and your fear of this shouldn't mean I'm screwed because you can't handle it. Um, and I'm not talking about like, I know how viruses work and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, no, no, I, the, I know what you're saying. Like your it's the Karen's, general fear, yeah. like of, of like you trying to impose your thoughts on someone else. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's because of that attitude of, we can't talk about it. We don't say anything difficult. We don't, we don't accept violence. And you know, on, related to that, there's an attitude that often the general public has is that martial arts, makes you violent or fighting mm -hmm. and training makes you violent uh, what, what do you before i comment on that what are your thoughts on that sentiment i think the nicest guys i've ever met in my life are guys that actively beat each other up <laughs> on on a daily basis i think the most violent people um you're ever going to deal with are doing out of desperation yeah. whether it's they're desperate for help in a numerous amount of ways but that's why they're getting violent because they're desperate mm. uh, they're desperate to be heard they're desperate to be right they're desperate to be um taken care of they might have met there's so many reasons why they might be getting violent but i think anyone who's angry is looking for a reason to place that anger on someone anyone that's training jujitsu or martial arts already has an idea of how they're taking their stress out of their life and how they're um, interacting with each other. And, and honestly, if you've ever like fought someone that's reasonably skilled around your size, you know how much of a bad decision that is to go. You like, you don't want to do this. Yeah. So, so like violence is like the furthest thing from my mind, whenever it comes to any kind of conflict resolution, like the last ditch effort would be violence. It would be yeah. a million different things other than violence. Um, yeah. In a self-defense situation, I think that a lot of people are aware of it. They can kind of feel the vibe of mm. someone that brings that aggression because those people do come through the gym mm. and you kind of slap hands with them and you see, oh, this guy's coming to, he's coming to fight me. He's, he's yeah. not here just to like have a good time. He's not here to play basketball. He's here, yeah. to, he's here to get some taps and drive home feeling happy. So you can kind of feel that in everyday life, but um in general, I don't think violence should be associated with martial arts or at mm. least with jujitsu specifically. Um, I think it should be looked at more as like chess 
but yeah. I'm a, I'm a super sport oriented grappler. Yeah. So. It's actually funny. Like, uh, I like the show Cobra Kai, but I'm like, this is horrible. It's going to make oh, all yeah. the Karens make, like not want to put their kids in martial arts because they're yeah. running around starting these bullshit fights. Like, well, I was like, Ugh. starting these bullshit fights, but also like the idea of just karate in general. of 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 like having a five-year-old kid uh going into a striking battle yeah i think isn't the smartest scenario or a five-year-old black belt thinking that they're a black belt like that's that's another that's a whole other argument but the uh that that whole um movie stylized john wick grappling scenario with guns and stuff i'm kind of like okay this is not i'm sure you could speak way higher to that than i could but uh i don't see a guy pulling an arm bar on someone with a gun on them yeah they're good <laughs> but, movies there's certain realistic aspects like the the john wick one was believable in sort of a sense because like he got stabbed he kept the wound it slowed him down he had to take yeah. medication and then <laughs> once they realized how popular it was they started going like the the fighting in John Wick Two was more believable, but the like premises is just getting like worse yeah. and worse. <laughs> Fun movies, but it's on that sort of note of violence. Like I forgot who I was listening to. It's another like a, a self defense expert of like forty years, but he was talking about in America that ever since the zero tolerance policy of violence in schools kicked in, the murder rate of youth went up. So his explanation was like youth on youth. Aside from the ghettoization and, and socioeconomic status stuff, he was saying like back in the day, you know, bullies aside, when you had schoolyard fights, the teachers would come and look and they'd jump in as soon as it was too much. And now it's zero tolerance as in you're violent, you're gone. And then mm-hmm. it forces kids on the street. But it, whether he's correct or not, it was an interesting take was that he thinks the reason why the murder rates and uh, accidental homicide rates are going up amongst youth is because they no longer have the ability to learn what's too much. They no longer are being mm-hmm. taught that's too much or they no longer understand how easy it is to actually kill someone. So they'll go from zero to 100 now as opposed to like, oh, like, would you say about me? Knife, right? Yeah, and yeah. not thinking about the consequences. But in the old days, people were probably, you know, in some ways, violence has gone down, like uh, on average per capita, because, you know, education and other and better life living. But the youth rate in a lot of places is going up right now. And that was his theory. And it's a very interesting, it's obviously more complicated than that. But just that absence of under, like I did a podcast with one of my students who's actually like more or less a practicing Buddhist. And he said something interesting. It's that you need to understand violence in order to avoid it, like you or something mm-hmm. along that line. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this anxiety ridden society we're living in now where no one wants anything to happen because that's all bad and we can't, people aren't learning these things. And I fear that's why things are getting more violent. Well, I don't think you, I don't I don't know if you've seen, but there's a whole bunch of like football stadium fights happening ever since the football season started. <laughs> I did not uh, see that. There's, I just there, saw there, their chance. There's <laughs> a bunch of terrible, terrible fight technique that's happening instead. Yeah. And you can tell it's people that have never been in a fight in their life yeah. and they're drunk and just think like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna fight this guy. There's if if you've ever been in a fight, you know there's so many terrible re- ramifications. Like you could even just 
fall on cement or slip or like yeah. so someone could hit you from behind. There's so many different things you wouldn't want to get into a fight in a crowded situation. But um, I, I think uh, a lot of the Brazilian guys that I've trained with over the years talk about Brazil mm. in the sense that it's more free that way where yeah. uh, you get in a fender bender or something, you just pull over on the side of the road and you like, have your discussion if it ends up in a fight it ends up in a fight yeah. someone pulls over and breaks it up it's not like a, a, a huge ordeal it's kind of just like everyday occurrence there yeah. um and again i don't want to speak like on on brazil as a whole but just from what i've what i've heard from stories and mm. uh, i think that culture does have some benefits in the sense that um, there's a little bit more respect. Like what well, you were talking about right at the start about how people better get their gun licenses and everything like that. What are the percentage of assault crimes in like Texas or Arizona or something like that? where there's Very low. Very, very <laughs> low, right? So again, not that I'm going to say it's, it's a perfect solution because there are other things that come along with stuff like that. But when there's a mutual respect, mm. um, I think that it goes a long way. And, and, that's kind of exactly what you engage in when you go into a martial arts gym where it's like, Hey, we both agree. We're, we're, we're going to respect each other. We're not here to kill each other. We're not here to hurt each other. We're here to practice and train. Um, if for whatever reason accidents happen, like I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that you weren't trying to hurt me, but there are those guys that do go around to gyms and they are hunting the taps and they are hunting the, beat the higher belts and things like that and those guys i i honestly don't know if they care if they're hurting yeah. other people but um or they don't know like uh like me and you have trained like me not so much like casually with professional mma well, fighters right yeah. and it, i often say to people have you ever trained with a professional fighter or have you just been mm -hmm. in your in your little safe bubble dojo or your your world and most people are like of course not i've never i'm like you have no idea what these guys can do to you. And I was, yeah. uh, you know, a, a very high profile. Uh, I, I, we both know him probably. And I, well, he's a great guy. He always there when something, I won't name his name for this because he, he's not too proud, I think. But uh, if you know him, you don't fuck with him because he'll, he'll mess you up. And, but he's a super nice guy if you know him. And this guy had come, it's jujitsu, gi jujitsu, and guy had come into the gym. I don't think he knew who he was. And the guy was a brown belt. <laughs> they're both brown belts I, yeah, and I this guy who this guy who didn't know he'd, who it was he'd, he'd fought in the ufc a couple times right uh no no no, no not that guy oh, okay uh, hasn't fought yet in the ufc but <laughs> is considered one of the best locally yeah. anyway so the brown belt who didn't know who he was started going really aggressively hard and and the professional fighter will match it and then he the other guy didn't uh just pushed more and then i just heard motherfucker and then the professional fighter just dumped this guy and he's like you want to go hard like i'll go hard <laughs> right and it's just like when you don't know what a real professional high level professional fighter feels like like you think you're tough and then you go against that and they actually turn it on it's like <laughs> well there's like strong and then there's mma strong yeah it's ridiculous. Like, and, and then like there's NCA wrestler strong in certain positions and like judo black belt strong. Like yeah. there's, there's certain guys that once you've trained long enough, you start to realize like, Oh, this guy's really good at this. This yeah. guy's really strong in this MMA guys are just 
strong, although I don't know if they've been doing steroids since they're 18 <laughs> or what it is, but they're on a whole nother level of strong and athletic. And uh, yeah, if, if you're a little naive or you want to, you want to test your metal, they'll gladly, gladly tell you what you're worth pretty yeah. much. And then like when I'm rolling with that individual, like I know he's just playing with me. He's acting like uh, I'm giving him a really hard time. I'm like, nah, man, like I know. <laughs> but even then that's, that's uh, just speaking back to like camaraderie and stuff in the gym. Like that guy's giving you respect too. Yeah. He's like, he's knowing that you're not going to be an asshole to him. He doesn't have to be an asshole back that, that amount of kind of communication back and forth, even just through your body language and stuff like that leads to i think really strong relationships and yeah. the relationships that people are like kind of missing from all of this yeah. like i don't know how many friendships have been lost how many family members don't talk to each other anymore in the last year like and a half that, in yeah, the last right? year and a half right like <laughs> it's it's kind of uh, it's it's a real shame but at least uh if you know you can kind of leave all that on the side and and come in and have your buddy that you might not even know his last name but if, if he called you to um, bail him out of a problem or needed a ride somewhere or something like that, you'd gladly do it. I think that's the, uh, the biggest connection people get through martial arts. And yeah. uh, it, it helps so many people deal with so many different issues. Um, yeah, e even if it's just like, yeah, you've, like I've, we've got a, a guy um, at our gym that has... has uh, lost a child hmm. right like lost a child. like he, he can come to the gym and at least like everyone knows but no one brings it up everyone can is sympathetic towards him everybody's trying to like do what they can to support this guy but i don't even think he really wants the support i think he just wants to be viewed as like uh, an individual and hmm. and like a uh, equal playing ground and then he can also see people that he's never met before that just treat him as just a normal guy right like you get yeah you get all sides of things when you, when you go into a martial arts gym, um, bringing in some sort of emotional baggage, there's 10 different ways you can get rid of it. You can get rid of it through stress relief, through support, through, um, distraction, new goals. Like it can be, it can be so helpful. Yeah. I would love, and it will never happen here, but I would love to see, martial arts introduced into into the school programs you know yeah. even if it's taekwondo like whatever like, yeah, yeah just to bring Something. it in and, and i know a lot of people like no i don't want my child learning that but it's like i think if it was introduced in the school system we probably wouldn't see the kind of lunatical anxiety-ridden behavior we're seeing now about it's a fear right like everyone is fearful of the other person hurting me and what it is it always well if it doesn't calm down it will spiral into i'm so concerned about them hurting me i'm gonna hurt them first like it's a totally natural way of doing it and as an evolved species we really need to try to stop it but i think it is that removal of a safe violence from day-to-day -day life or understanding that people don't understand like i had a someone asked me like oh like i heard it's really hard to like stab someone i'm like what are you talking about like and i say he's hunting as you know i i grew up city boy i didn't hunt and i i had no experience with that kind of stuff and the first time i you know had to gut a deer like wow this knife goes through real easy right yeah. and i don't have experience with all you know and and people don't realize yeah you just go they're dead and then you're mm -hmm. like i just killed them like i've seen videos like that and it's like well what do you think was gonna happen and you see it in a lot of these sort of like riot situations 
because the mob mentality and then people get caught up in the energy and then I just hit them in the head with this thing and then they're looking at them like, oh shit, I think they're dead. Or they're, and like people just no concept and introducing sort of safe training and understanding physical use of force into the school system, I think. Uh, again, even if it's Taekwondo, karate, sports, karate, whatever, it's something is better than nothing. I'd prefer, I think jujitsu is the best solution, but uh, wrestling, judo, wrestling, something. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the biggest thing it would do, um, would uh, for, for kids that are being bullied mm. or for the bullies themselves is have them own, have them realize their own potential Yeah. in the sense that, uh, if you're a kid that's being bullied, but you can see that, hey, physically, I can defend myself. Yeah. It gives you so much more confidence. Like, I, I always say, um, like, again, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Um, yeah. If if the kids are confident in themselves, they're not going to be a target, right? Yeah. Like, I think very few of my kids in my kids' program are ever going to be big targets of bullies just because they're um, confident in their own abilities. But even if a bully were to come into my program and see that they have a really tough time dealing with some kid that they thought they could dominate physically. It might, um, getting, getting coffee. I'm <laughs> uh, trying to try and yeah. to get coffee. No, but I, I, I feel like that, uh, that kind of realization that, um, they might not be as strong as they think they are, or they might not be as dominant as they think they are. And, and a bully getting dominated might, kind of bring them down a peg um yeah help well, i think i think like because that is like even if they're not an mma fighter because i you know i i do use that as an example but it's like okay objectively how many people are at that skill level in the world it's you know a it's handful like one like percent right? yeah <laughs> so the chances you running into those people and the chances of them being an aggressive that it does exist uh john jones got arrested for hitting his wife again yeah. uh for example the guy's but then Dylan Dennis got choked out by a a bouncer that doesn't know anything right yeah so I mean again but if they learn they don't have to be as fearful as a child like oh I can put up a decent resistance against an attacker Um, then I don't have to fear as much and when even if you can reduce that fear level and anxiety down a peg it can be the difference between extreme escalation because of a fear-based response uh, and you never know what to do. And sort of a side note, I was watching a video where the top trauma guy, guy posted a video of gun, gun disarm things. Now in one video, it was two, uh, two robbers with guns uh, uh, robbing a clerk. She did everything they asked for, they shot her anyway. And in the other video, as soon as this guy drew, drew the guy just grabbed the gun out of the mm-hmm. way. Right. And if you're crippled by fear and I, the first situation, I don't know how that could it like it was messed up, but it might have if, gone bad anyway. No yeah, matter what. yeah. If you're crippled by fear and inaction, <clears throat> you will only look more of a victim and an easier target. And then sort of the crowd mentality is if you're crippled by fear, sometimes like I, I don't like as a blanket statement, just do what they want because mm-hmm. that's not always the right answer. I think it's a very naive statement to make as a as a hard rule like can you try to give them what they want sure it's part of de-escalation but as a hard statement if you if you're so crippled by fear 
as that anxiety we're sort of talking about, even if you have the skill and you can't use it, what use is the skill? So the more back to that exposure therapy, the more you can train and be comfortable with your anxiety and fears, but know that, hey, I have a level of ability to defend myself, even if it's only for 10 seconds to run, then that's what you want people to get to. Because we're not all going to be top world-level champions. I don't even want to say John Jones' name anymore for that comparison. He's such a shitbag. But um, you, you, most of us aren't that physically and skill-wise. You don't need to be. Uh, you know, I say to my students, like, they're like, oh, I got in another fight. And I'm like, what do you mean another fight? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I am a hyper-aggressive person. I've been that way my whole life. I've been in one fight and it was an arranged fight because even when I was younger, I'm like, listen, I'm a small guy and some of these guys I'm mouthing off already have criminal records. So I would realize, shit, I'd said it too far. Time to go. (laughs) Right. Like, so if you're getting in those fights all the time because you want to prove something due to fear, anxiety, how you're going to look, you don't have the skill, it's going to get bad. Or if you're not doing something when you need to, even if it's just running, you're going to get things worse. So I think that is like the real benefit of martial arts to, to, to teach you where you're at, give you the confidence to know that you're capable, more capable than you think, but also know like, hey, I'm not as tough as I think I am and, and humble, humble me. Oh, of well. course. And even just to talk back what I said, at like the very start of the podcast, what got me into martial arts, I realized very quickly, like, there's a lot of downside to getting into a fight. Yeah. Like, like, sure, you could, you could like be proud and win and maintain your stance or your honor or whatever you, whatever stupid reason it is you're fighting for, but you could also like break your wrist and not have yeah. your hand working ever and again. You could get poked in the eye and not see anymore. There's, there's so many variables that it's like, what is, what's it really worth? You? What are we really fighting over? Yeah. A self-defense scenario is one thing, but um, I, like I used to do security for the Commodore downtown and like fun after times. the Olympics, I was, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Um, but you would see a fight happening five minutes before it happened, Yeah, right? You would see two guys having issues or even honestly, probably two girls having issues and then the guys <laughs> having to, to take over for it. Would but, you see to uh, my man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always be some sort of issues. But you'd see it happening, and if there was any amount of de-escalation from either party, it could have com- been completely avoided. Yeah. But um, it's yeah, I, I think uh, the lack of awareness of people's own ability is the biggest thing that leads to scenarios like that. Even in someone, it, like you're talking from a self de- self defense perspective, if someone is unaware how well someone can defend themselves they might be more likely to attack, Hmm. right? Like if they think, oh, I'm just going to like punch this guy or I'm just going to like go grab this guy. If they have no idea, like good luck grabbing Ronda Rousey. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that, right? Like you might have no idea that this girl is a multiple time world champion, judoka, like Olympic medalist, like, yeah, good luck, right? But if you know that, you're probably way less likely to make things a physical altercation. Yeah. Well, just an example of that, it's like sometimes you get a new guy in the gym, it's an open mat, and you start standing, and then you just do a grip, and I'm like, oh, how long have you been doing judo? And they're like, how'd you know? I'm like, yeah, I can tell. Yeah. So exactly. if you feel that in the street, you're like, okay, I need to really be careful, because if I get tossed on the street, this is a problem. 
Right. Well, I, I don't know how long you or if you ever train on vacation or anything like that. Always, I, always take I, a gi. Always take a gi because <laughs> then then you get to see everyone's level. Yeah. Right? You show up, you throw your belt on, you immediately get a little bit of respect. People treat you a different way if you got a color belt. Um, if you got a black belt going on, sometimes like again, I'm a bigger guy. I'll show up at a gym. The owner of the gym might be like 150, 145. He's like, oh no, my shoulder's sore today. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not training today because they see me walk in the door. They're like, yeah. what is this 200 pound guy coming in here, like doing? I'm like, I don't need to roll with this black belt guy. Yeah. But after they see me roll once or twice with like their lower belts and they see that I'm not an asshole, yeah. they're immediately like, oh okay, maybe maybe we'll do a couple rounds. Well, I had a, I, I'm going to interpret this this way because it makes me feel better. Uh, I've, I've had fortunate uh, ability to go to Marcelo Garcia's gym a couple of times. It was a great gym. And uh, when I was a blue belt <clears throat> and I was not like, I'm not in a, not a mean training partner, but I was, you know, doing really well against one of his blue belts. And I, he saw it and he's like, hey, uh, you, you go over with that purple belt. <laughs> yeah. Who is like six foot tall. That didn't do so well that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but well, it was no, that- just like, it was good. That, that happens too at my gym too. We'll have guys to come in that we don't know yeah. and we'll kind of be like, okay, this guy's only 25 and I know he can take a beating and I know we can give one. Yeah. So you go with him first and then let's see how it goes yeah. and then, then we'll go together. Yeah, I do that with big guys. If a new big guy, I'll watch them first and be like, do I want, like, I don't have a problem rolling with big guys, but I'm not rolling with a spastic big person. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, I can roll with them. They're fine. Or I'm like, uh, it looks like they have some other training. Let me strategize first. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've kind of learned that the wrong way. There was a lot of times where I'd get a big young guy muscled up coming in being like, okay, I guess this is my job now. I got to wrestle yeah. this guy. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. I can, I can pass that off to other people. I don't yeah. really I'll just pull guard. Pass my guard. Come on. <laughs> pass my guard. Pass my guard. Smash me. Tap me. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. But you, do you have to get going soon? um yeah reasonably soon like 15 minutes i know this podcast has gone like all over the place so this is a pretty on topic one some of mine are all oh, over okay. the place um but if, yeah i was just gonna say if, if i could say anything it would just be how much um martial arts can help you in your day-to-day life yeah even if you look at um like personally I'm going through a, uh, like you said, you've gone through business disputes with partners. We're going through a business dispute with my wife's business partners and stuff Mm. right now. And um, having the jujitsu approach or even the martial arts approach of, yeah, you're angry. Like coming fist to fist fighting back is probably not the best option. Mm. Sorry, my dog's barking. Oh, no worries. Um, but like, that's probably not the best option, probably strategizing, seeing the situation as a whole, and then meeting your mode of attack is way, way better than just butting heads and like fighting with each other. Like, I think yeah. the, the best thing from at least a, a sport martial arts perspective is strategizing and, and working around your opponent's game versus, um, having to literally fight them like i think a literal fight is not martial arts it's even though they call it mixed martial arts like like, that's a fight that 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 actually almost happened to me with a former business partner and luckily i managed to calm down in time and be like listen like you need there was other people that was like you need to get out now 
Uh, and they had enough sense because someone was there to like walk out and that was like the end of the partnership because i was like you can't do that like um, yeah yeah it was bad (laughs) business business gets really difficult but um having a having an idea of this isn't a fight like if we both fight again we both get injured here yeah let's see the best way to negotiate this the best way so that we both don't have to fight yeah. Kind of like you were saying, conflict resolution, the best way to not get into a fight is just not get into a fight. Now, with that being said, uh, I'm an aggressive person. I have difficulties when something I'm passionate <laughs> But I, yeah. I will never throw a punch. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's not something I do. But just like, could we be reasonable about this? No. Mm-hmm. And then I just, it escalate. it's very difficult. Like, Oh, I, I can be very abrasive yeah. <laughs> when it comes to business. And especially if you like hurt someone I love, I can be very... Uh, yeah very difficult to deal with um but at the same time it's never going to escalate to the point of violence or anything like that and then if it's coming to something like financial matters it's uh sure the threat of violence might be there in the sense of like the threat of me not the threat of violence but like the threat of like serious financial ramifications might be there but that's almost like me saying like hey you want to take this outside (laughs) whereas in reality I don't really want to take this outside. Yeah. I, I just want you to like back down and, and well, not, not. Yeah. I think on the partnership, it's, you know, people should write books about this. There's probably not enough about how to select a good partner. And, you know, partnerships break up all the time. So it is mm-hmm. normal part of business, usually all sorts of factors. But I mean, uh, one of the things I look for now is like, have you done this? before or have i seen your work ethic before because if someone just comes to me with an idea and even if they come with an idea and money i'm like that's not good enough anymore like i want to know that you're actually gonna gonna do stuff that's productive and then if in down the road we end up splitting up like i've had too many partners who are not productive and they think they're productive and that's where the conflict comes from and it's like hey i told you i need this and you're not doing that and they're like why are you being such an asshole and it's like well i'm an asshole anyways but you're still not doing yeah. those things i was an <laughs> asshole when you went into this yeah. <laughs> that was made clear yeah. <laughs> but yeah be, i always warn people like are you sure you really want to go into partnerships uh and if you do like are you really sure you're able to do a no leader thing because sometimes you need one of you to take charge and if you mm. guys can't handle that then it might not work you know. Well, I'm, I'm super, super lucky with my partners at yeah. uh, Advantage because um, like I've known Brock as long as I've been doing jujitsu. So it's yeah. like 15 years almost now. Um, and then Evan almost probably close to 10 years, at least knowing him being relatively close friends with him, like five years before any of this yeah. kind of came to fruition. And we're all on the same kind of goal. Yeah. Um, the thing that I find breaks up partnerships the most is when um people can't see other people's side of the coin or accept the feedback that they want to receive right ego 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 is brutal but even if it's um someone's seen something work in the past or they want to have something tried or they want to have their voice heard in one manner or the other and uh the ego of the other two partners doesn't let them or something like that that's where the real issues come in um but yeah, they, I think you've seen it. I think in the jujitsu community, we've probably got in, in Vancouver alone, we've probably got 20 gyms. Probably they can all source back to five guys. Yeah. 
that they've all been branched out from because people couldn't get along and work yeah. together. Yeah. So really there should only be five gyms in Vancouver, but there's too many egos and partnerships and <laughs> other, other things in the way. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I don't know if you know the, the club uh, studio 540 in San Diego. Uh, not particularly. No. So it's kind of meant to be almost like a community center gym where like mm. anyone's welcome from any club. That was kind of the philosophy we took into um, opening up our club. Like, sure, we want to have a successful business, but in reality, we won't want to see it as like a place where people come to once a month just to drop in for a class and check it yeah. out because it's meant to be a community, not not a kind of private business. Right? Yeah. So, well, I think I, we're in BC. It's very more laid back in many ways and i think a lot of the successful gyms have that attitude here like everyone's welcome. oh yeah you know, everybody knows each other here yeah and the ones that don't can uh like they, <laughs> they just keep to themselves right yeah i think there's i think we all know the gyms that don't really associate with each other and they can yeah they can stay not associating with us it <laughs> doesn't really matter yeah if they don't want to play you know although on that note like i'm like there is a community here in jujitsu particularly, but as an overall martial arts community in Vancouver, I am very disappointed. What I from what I came in expecting, it's just like even during COVID, you know, there, you know, people probably hate me for saying this. There was a lot of we're gonna work together, but when it came down to it, nah. Yeah. It was I need to protect me first. And I'm like, guys, if we have a strong voice, mm -hmm. as you know, how many martial arts gyms actually are there? And you say, no, yeah. we're not shutting down again. They won't shut down again. But because no one wants to ever do that collectively, well, it's like, ah. Uh. I, I, again, I, I didn't want to put my neck on the line one way or the other, taking yeah. a stance one way or the other. But if you look at the restaurants association, that's probably much, much stronger yeah. than the martial arts gym. Oh, yeah. It's not like they, they were able to do much. Like there's... There's been some some things that have happened, but as a whole, um, well, I think they well, were pretty I, much told just like, hey, we don't care. I think <laughs> that particular industry just rolled over and then wanted to made demands. They actually asked, my understanding, they were heavily involved in asking for the passport and all this other. Nonsense. Just to open back up, just to get things um, back going. You know, and I, you see what happened in, 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 without getting too much into it, you saw what happened in Europe when people actually got together and said, no, peacefully, no. Mm -hmm. Some places not peacefully, and then the governments backed off. New Zealand just had that happen. Massive protests. They backed off. This the thing about Canada is we've just been too chill for too long. And hey, we're the nice guy country of the world. Everybody, <laughs> everyone always says uh, about Canadians, we say sorry too much. Yeah, <laughs> like stop I say, saying... no sorries in Kramaga. This is yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyways, any um, parting final words? I mean, you you more or less said it, but. Yeah, I pretty much um, just all I'd like to say is if anyone is struggling with anything in their life, whether it's uh, kind of relationship, family issues, financial issues, business issues, whatever it is, um, if you haven't thought about getting into martial arts or you're already in it, um, dig deeper and, and kind of throw your passion into that rather than worrying about the other things in your life and uh you can probably take a lot of benefit from what you can grow from those things again i'm not an expert in this it's just uh through lived experience myself and then from seeing other people have similar situations um it would be a, a huge benefit to 
um, the community to have more people involved that are willing to, to give to people that need uh, support and need help and to be a kind ear or just to be an active training partner for someone that they know that needs help. And then for people that are looking to martial arts for some sort of support, whether it's just even just a distraction, but even uh, more than that, friendships and uh, um, just even someone to talk to. You probably have it already in your community and you're just not tapping into it. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people that actively sweat and bleed and, and fight together that, that wouldn't uh, support each other. Um, and it's a lot of people that do go into martial arts, they feel they don't need help from other people. And that's probably why they're going into martial arts in the first place is because they're not someone that looks for outside support. They're looking to defend themselves. They're looking for something that they can have control over, but um, everyone else is like-minded and uh, can probably offer a lot of support. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds great. The last thing is how do people find you? Instagram, social media, website? Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, <laughs> our website is advantagejitsu.ca. I think we're fortunate enough to have probably the most black belts of any gym in the lower mainland. Mm. I might be wrong, but I think we've got about a dozen. Um, and then our Instagram is advantage underscore JJ. Um, email info at advantagejitsu.ca. I'd love to talk to anybody that hears this podcast and has any questions. Um, feel I was very rambly and could have been <laughs> way oh, more, fine. way more direct in what I wanted to say, but, uh, no, just thanks for having me. And, Absolutely. uh, yeah, thanks for providing this outlet and uh, resource. Um, I know that a lot of people look to connect with people in the community and don't really have the, the chance to talk to someone. So, yeah. um, if anyone was wanting to get in contact with me, let me know. If anyone's trying to get in contact with you, by all means, reach out. You're yeah. a super easy guy to deal with. So it um, depends who you ask. <laughs> depends who you ask. Depends who you ask. But again, uh, I, I know you well enough to know that you can be very, very civil, even if it isn't something you're disagreeing with. Um, just have a civil discussion with you. <laughs> don't don't uh, get into. Oh some yeah, sort if you come at me hard, more, I'll more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> but uh, no, like. Um, the, the best uh, way to have any kind of conflict resolution or um, have anything in your life that you need to deal with is address it um, and, and let everyone know. Like there's no point in suffering in, in silence and um, hiding your opinions. Like yeah. it's, it's much better said than I agree. Out. And I just wanted to thank you because you don't realize uh, I've what almost at 100 episodes and you are actually the first person to reach out to ask to do the podcast, which for me is a big milestone. It's like, oh, yes, cool. I don't have to chase people anymore. So for, for me, that was a very happy moment. So thank you for that. Yeah, and no I would problem. love for more people to do that. It's easier for me. <laughs> yeah, it's easier for you. And, and I honestly, I didn't even know you were at this deep into your podcast. I, yeah. I saw it pop up with Matt and I listened and I thought, you know what? I know this guy. I'll, yeah. I'll just throw it out there. This is my experience doing it. Get, take it or leave it. I, I don't know if you wanted guests, but yeah. uh, I've been a guest on a couple of podcasts before and was surprised people actually wanted my opinion on things. So yeah, now, now I just offer it. <laughs> so Yeah, sounds great. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, hopefully I'll be able to train with you soon again. Yeah, yeah, you're always welcome. You're listening to 
The Warriors Den. Warriors Den. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions.